This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week, we have Don Ducharme. Don works for Essex Tech, but before we get into it, Eric, what's been going on? Ah, so it was an interesting day today here at the Brunt Shop. So we got paved into our office, which sounds weird, but they basically literally paved the parking lot and the driveway where we work here. And since it literally wraps around the entire building, we actually got, we got paved in. Could walk on with their shoes, but couldn't bring in cars. Caused us to actually have to cancel an event. We had our friends over at 128 coming in uh, with 20 of their top performers. And so we actually had to push that out a week because we, it's a long story short, but we couldn't pull out the ATVs onto the tar. And so ended up pushing that out. And then the good news is five of us ended up building our podcast booth, which is going to change the game a little bit. Jeremy, myself, Nate, Steven and our buddy Tony hung around and we got our new kind of soundproof podcast booth. That's going to hopefully make things better for all you guys, Bill, which to be honest, it was a total show. Um, (laughs) It was definitely a bear to put together. Super heavy. Things weren't aligning, but you know what? We powered through it. We got it done and future podcasts are going to be held there. And I'm glad it's behind us. What about you, Jeremy? So the search is over. I now hired a assistant barn manager. My wife is super happy. We went the route of, you know, education and getting a new soul into the barn versus a tenured, you know, equestrian. And uh, my wife's super happy to work with our new barn manager. She's 19. This is going to be cool because it's, uh, you know, definitely empowering her and she's got a lot to learn, but she's eager to work. So we're pumped and it'll definitely take a little bit of a workload off of us, which is, you know, never ending up at the Perkins farm, but uh, yeah, big win for us up here in Maine. Nice. Nice. Let's dig in with Don. Let's do it. All right. We're here with Don Ducharme, career technical and agricultural director of Essex North shore agricultural and technical school. Don, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So super pumped to have you on the show. You know, as being an educator and everything, I think this is a very important aspect of Bucket Talk. Before we dive into the whole education side of thing, how did you get your start? Take us way back. Oh, way back is almost 40 years ago now. I was lucky enough to have a father that was in the business. And at about 10 years old, he started taking me on selected jobs that, you know, a little kid could do and things like that. Right after seventh grade, I started working full-time summers mm-hmm. and uh, worked my way every summer, every Monday holiday. My father happened to be a teacher at a vocational school as well. So we had the same schedule with school. Basically, every day off for him from school was a day off for me, and we went out and did projects in the uh, Duchamp family masonry business. Awesome. Awesome. And, and was that mass-based or some? Yes, it was right based out of Drake, Massachusetts, oh, nice. right up the street from here. And I actually still live in the family home. My dad's passed since. I moved back into the house and still work out of the same garage and do projects on the weekends still to this day. 
Wow. Wow. Crazy stuff. Take it back to how you got your start. So you worked with your father. You learned the trade. Did you learn everything on the job? Did you go to school for it? Or did you just jump in through it? He was a teacher as well yeah. at a vocational school. So as much as I went to a traditional comprehensive high school, I still got that vocational training on the job site. You know, going through high school and, you know, family business is tough working for your father. And uh, we got yelled at a lot, you know, <laughs> not afraid to say that. And it really made me want to go towards college. I actually went through college. I got a degree in medical technology, worked in that field for just a couple of years. But that entire time, entry-level position didn't really pay. Continued to do the masonry all the time, whether it was at night or the weekends to help pay the bills. At one point, I was in a sales job, and that kind of went downhill with the dot-com you know, blow up in 01. And uh, I jumped into the masonry union. And coincidentally, my first job was at the Neshoba Tech School, another vocational school. Yeah. So I, I was there for a while, and then um, that job was finishing up. And at the time, the position came up at Greater Lowell Tech, and I was just like, man, I just changed careers again. I don't want to be doing this. And um, I went to sleep, and I woke up the next day. I go, what are you thinking? Like, your father did this forever. You go, you be a teacher, you work the summers, you work the weekends. Life was good. You know, the way I explain it was my father only gave me one thing, but he gave me everything because he gave me a job and, and a career, and we learned all the trades. I got into teaching and fell in love with it right away. Right from day one of year two, I went into my boss's office and I said, you know, what do I have to do to have your job when you leave? So... You know, he kind of took me under his wing. He was a plumbing instructor at one point and then became an administrator. A lot of us trade guys are very alike and <laughs> just happened to be doing different trades. He took me under his wing, got me into some administrative kind of quasi-administrative positions in the school. I taught masonry for seven years, and then I was lucky enough to get an administrative job overseeing seven departments there. Before the, the admin portion, you're teaching masonry, correct? What gave you the ability to say, hey, you know, I know enough to teach. Getting into a vocational job and teaching position is is very different than going through the traditional, I'm going to teach math or English and science, and you go to college to learn how to do that. Many of the trade guys are actually pulled right out of the trades. The week prior to starting to teach, I was laying bricks. Then you learn to become a teacher. What works is that Everybody has apprentices along the way. So you're teaching guys um, when you're in the field, and, and that kind of gives you the inclination that you'll be good at teaching as well. Were you nervous about it? I mean, did you think you had enough knowledge to teach? Well, you know what gave me the intuition that I might be pretty good at it was when I was in college, I actually coached a high school soccer team. Okay. And coaching is very similar to teaching. If you can get the kids to buy in and build that relationship that they'll do what you tell them, it's no different whether it's sports or education. Yeah, and I'm sure that comes running a crew as well. You know what I mean? You're out there as a foreman or, or what have you. You're still teaching a group of people, whether they're young or old, and pulling all the skills together. And, you know, you may not know everything, but somebody does. Yeah, exactly. It was funny to reference things when I became a teacher because when you're on your own crew or family business, you don't know all of the other Masons in the world, right? But when I became a teacher and got exposed to other people that knew my father, they were like, wow, 
he was good. Yeah. So I knew very early on into teaching that I learned from the best. So it kind of put me at ease that I would know what I was doing, that I was teaching the kids the right things and that sort of stuff. Awesome. When you became an admin, was that like just another whole, you know, shake up my world? Like <laughs> I got to learn a whole nother skill set? <laughs> Absolutely. But again, as you referenced earlier, you know, being a foreman, you're managing people. Right. And, and that's really what it is. Oddly enough, I've never been the supervisor of the masonry program. Um, I've, always, I've always overseen other programs, transportation, manufacturing, metal fabrication, machine technology, which is now advanced manufacturing. So it's really about building the relationships. And one of the things that many teachers that become administrators are wary of is losing that connection with the students. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough, again, to have that mentor. And when you become an administrator, you're helping new teachers become better. Mm -hmm. So instead of you having that direct connection with the students, you're kind of helping many other teachers become better. So when you look back at it, you're really helping so many more students. I'm yep, not helping yeah. them directly, but if I help five teachers that have 30 kids in front of them, right. instead of just helping 30 kids, I'm helping 150 kids. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So it, it, that's how you look at it when you get into administration. And then there's also the other opportunities to stay connected with the kids, with some of the extracurricular activities, the trade competitions with Skills USA and FFA and DECA and all of those sorts of things. So going back to when you were teaching for those seven years, and then we'll go to the I think the same thing for the administration. Some folks want to probably just teach. Some folks eventually want to be an administrator and, and maybe some of the both. But what were some of the biggest challenges or things that were frustrating when you were a teacher? And then what were obviously some of the most rewarding things, and which are obviously more obvious because you're there to teach. But what are kind of the, the highs and the highs and the lows and the lows of teaching? And then the same thing for when you get to administration. The lows really are the, you know, the sad stories, the sad upbringings that some of these students have, but that also turns into the highest of highs when you help a kid get out of a bad situation. You know, when I was teaching, I was at Greater Lowell Technical High School, inner city students, even though the school's out, you know, rural town of Tingsboro, but you see those kids that some that are living on the streets, wow. literally living yeah, on the yeah. streets, and they end up getting a co-op job and they're out making $15 an hour. Um, and, and you run into those kids years down the road and they're like, oh, thank you so much. You know, they bring back their kid to open house and, you know, now they have an actual future making, you know, great money as a tradesperson. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. And then what about on the administrator side? Because those folks, they're teaching, they've got a career, so they don't have yep. necessarily that story, right? Yeah. So, you know, the lows of that is difficult situations, conversations with teachers that may struggle and may not make it as a teacher. Yeah. That's really the worst thing to go through. And then again, the highs are the same when you hear the stories from the teachers. It's not you directly having that interaction with the student, but they came and they tell you the story of, you know, I affected this kid and I heard back from a graduate that was just pumped because he got a great job because of what he knows and what he learned from us. Yep, yep. So jumping into to Essex Tech, I think it's amazing because there's always that stigma with, with shop teachers that like, they're out of the business, they're antiquated, and you know what? They're just going to teach now because they can't do anymore. And I think that couldn't be any further from the truth with your outfit. We had the chance to sit on the landscape advisory board, and the two teachers that ran landscaping, they're pretty much running a small business, if I could say that, right? They have a crew. They're tied in with the community. They're learning all about everything, like, to date. 
right? They're working with local companies. They're doing a whole bunch of stuff. I was absolutely impressed with the two teachers that uh, we had the chance to sit down and, yeah. and talk with. They're top-notch landscapers, and I'm sure they probably still do it on the side. But, you know, definitely working for Essex Tech is unbelievable. And you guys are building a building now, right? Yes, actually, we're building a Larkin Cottage. There was a building there previously from a woman that was killed back in World War II. It was a small cottage, right. like a regular New England Cape house. Unfortunately, it became decrepit over years from not being used, and now we're putting up a function facility, about a 7,000-square-foot building, and the kids are building this. Yeah, So That's it's incredible. amazing. Their real-world project is right on our campus. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the, the Landscape Program Advisory Committee that you sat on, I think we'd be remiss to thank Billy Butts, yeah. who is one of our PAC members as well, and was the one that connected us together yep. as yep. Essex yep. Tech and, and Brunt. Exactly. Um, Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Outdoor pride. We'll throw a little plug in for exactly. Bill. That's the way the construction world goes around connections with people. You know, you're always working with multiple trades. Right. The landscape department's fantastic. I call them my orange army. They're great with their uniforms. They have high vis orange, uh, big time into safety. They're walking around campus. They're walking near the parking lots, near Route 62, a major road that goes right through our campus. So safety is a big thing for them. And that, again, starts with clothing. You guys have a bunch of high-vis stuff. The boots, the pants, everything is just phenomenal. I've bought it all, and it's great. <laughs> their, their, their professionalism is top-notch. I got a chance to talk with a lot of the students that were there. And, and trust me, I, I went through a uh, for-profit trade school myself, and the professionalism wasn't there, right? Your outfit is just unbelievable. The kids are respectful. They do what they're supposed to be doing, and they really love what they're doing. Yeah, they really do. It's, you know, starts with freshman year going through a discovery and exploratory process so that you can figure out which program you may like. How many 14-year-olds know what they want to do right, for the right, rest right, of their life, right, right? right? I had no idea that I wanted to do masonry. I was forced to do it. I wanted to get as far away from it. That's why I went to college. But when push comes to shove, you come back to what you know and yeah. what you love. And it's why I still do it today on the weekends. Get together with my brothers and a couple of buddies and we go out and bang out projects for family, friends, and customers and stuff like that. So it's just, I love doing it. The school's a great job and it's fantastic and I could live off of what I make there. I just keep doing masonry because I love it. Yeah, yeah. Now, so you're in a unique situation, at least the way I see it, because I know the trade schools from where I grew up in Connecticut, you're at like the cutting edge from the equipment to the facilities Top to the notch. layout to the, you know, the teachers to the administration. It's... It's kind of leading the charge, but yep. the sad reality is the rest of the country doesn't look like Essex Tech does. And, and <laughs> but how, you know, the goal is hopefully they can start to evolve over time. And you guys are setting the example of what it could be. Yep. But give us a little insight into like you guys are cutting edge, but like middle of the country. What are some of the things that you'd hope that they can start to, you know, is it, is it government funding? Is it, you know, what are the things that really will take them from where they are to get to closer to where you guys are? Right. So it's, it's funny you mentioned the rest of the country and, and Essex Tech. It's, you know, Essex Tech is phenomenal, but Massachusetts vocational education in general is the best in the country. 
it's looked at as the model that people want to try to replicate. You know, there's all different kinds of organizations that talk around the country about what we're doing and how we do it. Scheduling is a huge part of that. Funding, Jeremy had mentioned for-profit trade schools. The problem really out there right now is that there's not enough access. You know, we run an after-dark program where we bring students in from other districts, comprehensives, they go and they get their academics in the morning and they come into us and learn their trades in the afternoon. Yep. It's just, there's not enough schools yep. and that yep. comes down to government funding from the state and federal. They're expensive schools, but they're unbelievable schools. Yep. In some of those other states, so if Mass is one of the, leading the charge or one of the top, is it that those states haven't really put that much energy into believing that, hey, we could do this too. And is it, it's at kind of the state, depending on what they decide? Yeah, I, I, I would be remiss to say that, you know, I know all the ins and outs of A why mass. other yeah. schools don't do it as well as yeah. we do, why other states don't, don't do it as well, well as we I, do. I made, I made a huge observation when I was there. And, and one of the big things that they have going for them that maybe other schools don't is your network, your community, right? So as we sat, like I said, on that landscape advisory, these people who are, run businesses locally are starving for labor, right? They need top-notch people. How does a company like that find employees and, and, and grow them? Well, you're the source, right? How do we give back? Well, you know what? It may be donating a piece of equipment because you know what? If I donate a piece of equipment with you, they train, right? Now, all of a sudden, I got a pool to choose from of trained and top-notch skilled tradespeople. And I think that it's a, a huge give and take. And I think that any school that's disconnected from the community might have a hard time achieving their goals versus you guys who are really tied in with the community Absolutely. and asking people, hey, what's going on? What can I do to help you? And they're saying the same to you. Yeah, and that's the exact point of that program advisory committee. You know, we just had about 300 people come in, representatives from every industry out there, every shop program, you know, career tech ed program that we have at the school. And we really listen to what the program advisory committees say. Myself and um, Jill Sawyer is the other CTAE director. Mm -hmm. Whenever we get requests from instructors, the first thing we do is go look at what the program advisory committee had to say and whether they're recommending that piece of equipment as well. Right. Yep. Yeah. It seems like it's really circular. Like you guys have the infrastructure have the curriculum, train the students. You're kind of a feeder system into these big companies. Those companies kind of give back to the school in a way that keeps coming back. That you know they get exposure to the students, and the students get to say, "Wow, that's a great company." You know they're doing great things in the community. They're donating. They're charitable. They're growing people through their organization. Like that might be a place like Outdoor Pride that I want to go work one day. And yep. one day I'm going to run a crew and one day maybe I'm going to run the, you know, get to build butts and I'm going to, you know, run the company and all that <laughs> stuff. And so it yeah. kind of is pretty circular. It, it really is. We get the kids out on cooperative education opportunities. We actually this morning had about 50 companies come in for a career fair. We circled all of the juniors through the program. They had resumes. They were dropping them off with different companies. And, and that's how these companies get exposed to the kids. And, you know, my own two sons are at a vocational school. One just graduated. He's working for his co-op employer. Upon graduation, he hired him and gave him a raise. He's in plumbing. My second son is about to graduate in a month from now. He's already promised a full-time job and his third raise in a year upon graduation. So 
you know, the other thing is that the, you know, the college scene these days is just astronomical <laughs> with the cost of these, yeah. these colleges. Yeah. And, um, my own kids are going to get out of school and make anywhere from forty to fifty thousand dollars a year, as opposed to paying forty to fifty thousand right, dollars a year. Right, so, right. you're talking eighty to one hundred thousand dollars swings per year yep. for four years. Right. Yep. Yep. You know, they're they're so far ahead of the game. Are they going to work hard? Yes. Are yep, they going to get yep. dirty? Are they going to be sore? Absolutely. But it's it's necessary. Every trade out there is screaming for people. Well, and that and that's the case too. I was with a company and and we were looking for people and for you to find that, you know, that A tech or that climber that's got 20 years on the job, you're just not going to find them anymore. I mean, they're they're already set in their job. You have to pull them from another company. They're just not there. So, yep. what's the actual solve for this problem is to grow your base. And once you get that, like you said, the feeder system going, yep. then you're going to constantly have a stream of people that are willing, able, and capable. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and a lot of the trades are coming back at night for their continuing education. So it's not that they're not going on to college. You know, success is an electrical student coming back at night for his classes to right. be able to get his license. Got the it. lights being on in that building as long as they possibly can during the day and educating as many people as we can. The programs that you have aren't your basic just carpentry, landscape. How many programs do you have at the school? We have 24 programs. I mean, that's a, that's huge. Seven of them that are in the agricultural field as part of the beginning of the school with the merging of Essex Agricultural School, which is what the property used to be. Right. North Shore Tech, which was down the street, and then kind of a wing of Peabody High School as well that had some vocational programs. And the three of those schools came together and opened in 2014. Wow. I mean, the campus is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you yeah. guys, it's jaw drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bar, especially when you see the barns and stuff. You're like, wow, that's unique. It's it's funny. I went from you know an eight minute drive to Greater Lowell Tech to about a forty eight minute drive, and I still have a bunch of friends there. And they're like, you know, how are you liking it out there? What's with the drive? And I says, you know, I come around the corner and I just see this beautiful building and massive campus. It's unbelievable. It's awesome. It's enlightening to come around that corner, and I got a smile on my face every time. I make that turn and I just have a phenomenal job. I can go anywhere on campus from down and at my desk and I've been working for t too long. I go out and talk to the horses. Yeah. I go out and see the sheep and the goats and all that stuff. Yeah. Why is Don out talking to the horses again? <laughs> Don's losing it. <laughs> all, right, all right. You've had an amazing career path. It's definitely, you know, a noble one at that. But is this the end of it or is there more that you can do within the education field? Really, the next step from here could possibly be, you know, a principal job or a superintendent position, yeah. something like that. It's inspiring to be where I'm at now with, with Dr. Heidi Riccio. Uh, she's a fantastic leader. She was actually in the hospitality field uh, when she was a teacher oh, yeah, yeah. and worked her way up. The nice thing about her, she's never going to ask you to do something that she wouldn't do herself. Very early on at the school, I've been there for four years now, we got all new furniture in our bistro restaurant. And every single chair was wrapped, all four legs. We had to put the seats on and everything like that. And it was a Sunday morning, and she was there with her husband and her administrative assistant. And, you know, there was plastic wrap everywhere. My own kids were cutting the plastic off. We put four hours in on a Sunday morning. Yeah. That's the type of leader that we have and a type of leader that I would inspire to be as well. That's awesome. Yeah. You've 
been in the trades and you still are and you still roll up your sleeves. You've been a teacher. You've been an administrator. Thinking back to when you were in the trades, what's one thing that you know now that you wish you knew back then when you were like figuring it out, making every mistake <laughs> possible and learn, you know, you had your father. So that's, you know, you had kind of yep. a mentor. What's something that you're like, man, I really wish I thought about the world differently or thought about this or a couple of things to that point was one. I wish I get into it sooner mm-hmm. into education sooner Yep, to be able to have the effect that I have on students every day. And then the other thing that I've learned most recently is to say no. This is a job that's 24-7 as far as the education. Obviously, everything we went through with the pandemic has really changed the scope of things. But sometimes it's not about just making the dollar every weekend. It, it's about being happy, being comfortable in your shoes and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, we're going through some social-emotional training at school as administrators. Yeah. And really, the ability to say no is enlightening. The ability to put your phone down the ability to turn off the notifications to just see the count of your emails go from 60 to 70 to 90 on a Sunday morning. And you're just like, man, I'm so far behind before I even started the week. You turn that little red number off and it's, ah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think think that that's a good takeaway for anyone. Eric, as a, you know, employer has been good in saying like, unplug, you need unplug time. And I think that uh, there's a lot of people a lot of business owners and everything that need to not call their employee on a Sunday and say, Hey, wh- you know, where's the keys of this car or blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess that's, that's probably a good one to call you for. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I was on email the other night and it's like nine o'clock and, and a teacher's reaching out to you and, and I responded, I'm like, ah, it's just the wrong thing to do. There's a feature in the Gmail that is send later. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. you can you can respond at nine o'clock, but it's not going to go until seven in the morning. I set the precedent that hey, I don't respond at nine yeah. p.m., but it'll come at nine a.m. Or right, whatever. exactly. You know they're reaching out, but they get the response in the morning. So maybe they think the next time that they go to reach out at nine o'clock that it's not necessary. You know, yep. just relax, go to sleep, wake up, and then send the. That's true with a lot of things. A lot of, you know, you may think it's an emergency now, but. I mean, there are real emergencies, but a lot of the stuff can wait. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, or they resolve themselves in that time period. Right. Yeah, the old 24-hour rule. If you get upset about something or someone's coming at you and, you know, you want to respond right away because you, you just, that's what you want to do. You're on edge. You're like, ah, I got to get back to this person. And right. Like, nope, give it 24 hours, cool the jets, clear your head, and then write your response. Yep, yep. So usually... We ask, you know, if you have a Instagram handle or anything like that. But if there's any resources or anybody wants to reach out to you, how do they go about doing it? Yeah, EssexTech.net is um, our website, and we have social media as well. Part of my job is to go out and take pictures of the kids in action in the program areas, mm-hmm. um, and I send them to our IT guy, and the, and he posts them up there. There's usually you know four or five posts every day of different things that we're doing on the campus, just exciting stuff, the animals, uh, advanced manufacturing, all of the different programs that are unbelievable, and you guys have seen them. Right, yeah. um, come into our restaurant and have lunch, and yeah. it's a fantastic meal. It's great food. The kids are serving it. Um, and that's you know. every day. 
That's Monday or Monday through Friday, excuse me. But pretty, yeah, pretty much every day. You know, there's an occasional you know, professional development for teachers and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But we, you know, we have it on our sign. It's on our website. What our yep. hours are. Yep. It's always best to to call and make a reservation as far as the restaurant yeah, goes. Yeah. But we have another section called the eatery that the teachers can go up to yep. breakfast sandwiches or get a lunch, pre-made sandwich, and all those sorts of things. So. Those kids are seeing it as a real world experience. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the way I explain it is, you know, the good teacher has very little interaction with the students and they're basically in the background orchestrating what goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A funny incident earlier in the year, a brand new teacher. Um, we have an open concept restaurant to see into the kitchen. Oh, got it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, all the kids are behind the line doing all the cooking and all that sort of stuff. And the instructor was on the other side of the line. And I went into him and I patted him on the back. He's like, what's that for? I'm like, because they're doing the work, not you. You're just standing here and making sure they do it right. Yeah. When it comes down to it, that's, that's the kids doing the work is what yeah, you yeah. want to see. That's how yep. they learn. Yep. Yep. So, so what's the Instagram handle? Oh, I'm going to be in trouble tomorrow. It's all right. We'll, 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 <laughs> Essex, we're going to tag it in. Yeah. By the way, I, it could be a million things. Essex Tech, yeah, there's so many names, but we'll, we'll, we'll tag it correctly, yeah. so we'll make sure it's covered. But Sorry, Mr. Marino. <laughs> but there's always one thing that we always like to ask everyone, because, you know, you're working, you know, like you said, even if you're unplugged, you're working around the clock. Weekends, you're thinking about getting into your, your passion, which is still masonry. When you're able to kind of, like, Shut that down, shut down things at the school. What's like your release that has nothing to do with Essex and has nothing to do with masonry? Like, what's your release? <laughs> I'm still a very competitive person as much as I'm uh, an old, broken down old man at this point in time with bad knees and a bad back. But I, I love golf and I love fishing nice. as well. Um, last week was April vacation from school and I was able to get a round of golf in four hours out on a boat with a buddy. And, you know, that's really the release for me. Yeah. That shuts yeah. my brain off. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Love it. I love both those things. So <laughs> you don't get enough of it. So same thing. <laughs> yeah. You never have enough time to get to all of it, you exactly. know, but that's where the balance comes in. You know, that's why I still do what I love to do on the weekends and stuff like that. You know, when I get in conversations with kids and they may not be that motivated and that sort of thing, I always tell them, you know, I, I work hard and I play hard. Yeah. Yep, you know, yep. if somebody asks me to go out to dinner or go play a round of golf, absolutely. I never hesitate. Yeah. Yep. It's just, you know, the way you have to live. Life's too short. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. This is amazing. And obviously we'll continue to be on the Landscape Advisory Committee. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs>